0: Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't, our scripture is printed on page 2 in your bulletin. There's a place to take notes there on page 3. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. So listen now as we hear God's word. But you have come to Mount Zion. Than that of Abel. This is God's Word. So, we're in this series called A Life of Worship. And again, we're looking at what we do in worship on Sundays and then seeing how our Sunday worship affects the rest of our lives, Monday through Saturday. I guess I just want to answer the question why are we doing this? You know, I know, especially last week's sermon, if you were here, um, was heavy, it was a stretch, it was a lot of information. Maybe it felt a little bit more like a lecture than a sermon. Um, But we're doing this because all of us, every single one of us, we all worship something, okay? Everybody, everybody worships something. Some of us worship pleasure and relaxation. Some people worship their careers. People worship relationships or even children. Um, And when we worship things that aren't God, Okay, when we worship things that aren't God, it becomes enslaving. Okay, we revolve our lives around something that ultimately cannot satisfy. Okay, and we we do this, we chase things, and so we need to learn how to worship God. Because when we worship God, when we stop worshiping other things and worship God, instead of enslaving, it actually sets us free. It sets us free, and so we need to learn how To worship God. And we need to see how the worship of God, how we do that here on Sundays, because this is the beginning of a week of worship for us, okay? Our lives become more in tune. They become more satisfying, happier when we are living in relationship with God, okay? When we are worshiping God, life goes better. I'm not saying all your circumstances necessarily work out, but you are better able to deal with the things that go wrong, Okay, And so it takes knowledge and practice to worship right, okay, and so that's part of why we're doing this. I also want you to have the experience of the karate kid, okay We talked about that last week, the old movie in 1984, that movie where where Daniel has that scene where you know he 's been acting like a slave in his mind, doing waxing the cars, sanding the floors, painting the fence, painting the house. And then that scene where he realizes that everything that he's been doing is part of something greater, that he's actually been learning and mastering karate. And he didn't know that until that scene where he finally realizes not just what he's supposed to be doing, but why he's doing it. I want you all to have that experience. I want you to realize that when you come on Sundays and you go through our service, I want you to know why we do what we do. Okay, because when you understand why, you can actually participate, and you go from the things that we do on Sundays being something you have to do. My hope is that all of you will come away from each one of these next sermons thinking, "I can't wait to get to, to church on Sunday. I can't wait to do what we do on Sunday mornings." Okay, so that's why we're doing what we're doing. You know, a lot of people think Sunday Sunday worship is all about a sermon. Okay, and it's true that there's a lot that goes on in this sermon. We get a lot out of our sermons, but our whole service is important. Because okay, as we saw last week, our whole service is a renewal of our covenant with God, and we need all five parts of our service. The whole service preaches the gospel to us. Okay, the whole service is about the gospel. And so if, if you're not experiencing the blessing of each thing that we do in our service— then you're missing out. Then you're missing out. I want to go through that so we don't miss out. The five acts of our service, you know, they're printed in in your bulletin. Four of them are intentionally faded out because we're going to focus on the first one. But the five are calling, cleansing, constitution, communion, and commission. Okay, and today we're going to look at the first act, the calling act. When we start our services every Sunday, we have a welcome, and then there's the calling. Okay, there's the calling. God calls us to worship him. Okay, that's the beginning of our service. The person up front who does that is speaking for God, calling you to worship him. Okay, that's what's going on. And so if you get nothing out of the sermon today except for one thing, okay, if you don't get anything else out of it, I want you to take this one thing away. Okay, here it is. Our worship starts with God. Our worship starts with God. It's Him calling us. It's good for us to know this. It's important for us to know this because really all of life starts with God. When we learn to orient ourselves around Him, life works. Okay, in our lives, the Bible teaches that God is the one who initiates Okay? In our worship, in our salvation, in our growth, God is the one who initiates. He is the one who's in authority. And in worship on Sundays, he initiates by calling us into his presence. Okay? And so this is a wonderful picture of God. He calls in life. He pursues us. For every single one of you, doesn't matter what you did last week. It okay? doesn't matter what you did last month what you did last life, right? God is pursuing people. He's pursuing you. And every Sunday, he starts, he's reminding you that he is pursuing you by calling you. So you were called into his presence today because God is pursuing you. And so if you're here and you're not a Christian at this point, then God is calling you to experience a relationship with him. He wants you to know him, and that's the gospel. If you are a Christian, then God is calling you to renew your covenant with him. He's calling you to re-experience what it's like to be in relationship with him. This week, Lainey and I, we celebrated our 15-year anniversary. Um, It's amazing, and it's so much fun. Anniversaries give us this great opportunity to reaffirm our love for each other, right? Right? That's what's happening. For those of you who are believers, who have a relationship with God, Sunday mornings are about, are about renewing your vows. You renew your commitment to God, and God renews his commitment to you. And so worship begins with God because God's the one who seeks us out. He's the one who knows us. He's the one who finds us. And he's the one who calls us to himself. Our passage in Hebrews is going to help us go deeper. Okay, it's going to take us deeper and deeper into understanding what it is that God calls us to. Okay, so we're going to see that in three points today, if you want to take notes. Three points. We're going to see that God calls us up, God calls us together, and then God calls us near. So he calls us up, together, and near. That's what we're going to see today. So first, God calls us up. It's what it says in the text, verse 22. It says, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Simply put, God calls us up. He is calling us up into heaven. He's calling us to experience a foretaste of heaven. That's what the text says. Okay? This is difficult to believe, I know. We're going to talk about that. But read verse 22. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Zion was the temple where God was. It was on top of a mountain. Okay? Um, And in the Bible, that's really, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Mountains in the Bible are ways to ascend into heaven. Okay, mountains are the places on earth where God has sort of provided these pictures of ascending into the heavens. Okay, that's what mountains do in the Bible. And God put his temple on top of a mountain to communicate to his people that as they ascend the mountain to go to the temple, they are ascending in a picture form. They are, God's preaching to them by faith that you, as you go up this mountain, you're ascending into heaven. Because on top of that mountain is where God lives. That's where God lives. He lives in the temple. That's where his presence dwells. And he meets with his people in heaven. When God calls you to worship, he's calling you up into heaven. The city of the living God, again, it's where God lives. The heavenly Jerusalem. As we gather here on Sundays, we're gathered in a theater, but God is calling us up. He's calling us up into the heavenly places to give us a foretaste of what it's like to be with Him. And so, what's our response? I mean, you think about it. What is our, what's a fitting response? I mean, if God were to say, I want to give you a foretaste of heaven, how would you respond? you think about amazement, Maybe incredulity, like, well, what does this actually mean? I don't know if I can believe this. Wonder, gratitude. And we think about how. Like, how exactly do we experience this in terms of response? Well, it takes faith. It really, honestly, truly takes faith. Because it's hard to believe, sitting in a place like this, that we are in heaven. That's tough. You know, and, and I thought about this, and as I was thinking about this, I thought about different illustrations, and, and the thing that came to me was, um, was headphones, right? You think about, I don't know how many of you exercise, but people who exercise, you know, exercise is, is strenuous, it's tedious, it can get boring, it's long, and what does everybody do when they exercise? They listen to something, right? They put in their headphones. What does that do for you? it completely changes your perspective, right? It fills you with another world, right? Whether it's music, whether it's books on, you know, books on audio, I mean, whatever it is, you are actually taking another world and you're putting it in your ears. And you are filling your mind. You're filling, and not just your mind, because it touches beyond our mind. You fill your mind and your heart with another world. And it makes the exercise less difficult it makes the exercise you know more enjoyable it makes the time pass that's what faith does for us that's why we need faith as we come to God in worship because if you come and all you're doing is sitting in a theater and looking down and looking at people and instruments and this kind of then nothing happens right and so it takes faith the headphones of our faith mean that when you come you have to realize hey you know what i'm ascending Mount Zion. And so, even as you come, if you come and you walk up the steps, I mean, it could be as practical as this. As you walk up the steps to find a seat, you can say to yourself, It's almost like I'm ascending the mountain to meet with God. I'm ascending into the heavenly places. It's a call to faith. You have to believe. You have to believe. And so, you want to remind yourself this is what God wants me to think, this is what God wants me to experience. And as you remind yourself of that, that's an act of faith. You're not believing. The Bible says, don't believe what you can see, believe what you can't see. And this is an example of how to do that. You've got to remember the headphones. Remember the headphones. It pours in this other world. So it takes faith. It also takes prayer. And so that's what we do. Right after the call, right after the call to worship, the next thing that we do is a prayer of invocation. Okay? I don't know if you've ever heard it called that before. That sounds really liturgical, I know, but that's just what we do. We're praying, asking, we're invoking God's Spirit to come down and be with us. Because it's hard. (laughs) Okay? We can't do this on our own. Even faith is impossible without God's Spirit. And so when God calls us, the first thing that we do in response, we try to hear it with faith and then we respond by praying. We say, God... We have heard your call, and we want to respond. Help us to worship you. Help us. Do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Fill our minds and our ears and our eyes even with a vision of who you are. Fill us with yourself. And then we begin to respond, and God, we thank you. We begin to express some of that gratitude, some of that wonder and amazement. God, really? Really, we get to go to heaven with you? So it takes prayer, and then we sing, right? We sing two songs of adoration and praise. We sing songs of praise because when it comes to praise and adoration, prayer is not enough, okay? It's not enough just to pray. We also have to sing. I found some great quotes. Listen to this. Singing glorifies and beautifies speech. When you want to say something really powerfully, um, you might go to poetry, right? And poetry takes the normal way that we speak and makes it more beautiful and more meaningful. Well, then singing takes that poetry and makes it even more. When you love someone, you use heightened, glorified, poetic speech and you sing. Because saying it is not enough. We sing because singing gets to our emotions, okay? If in your prayers you haven't really connected with your heart, that's why we sing. Because when we sing, that's when we enter in full body. I mean, think about it. When you sing, you are much more engaged, right? You are much more your heart and your mind are engaged. Sometimes it's easy, especially with prayers that we have written down that we recite together, it's easy to say that stuff and not mean it. But when you sing it, it engages more of who you are. And with praise and adoration to respond to God's call, right? What, you, can't, you almost can't do that without singing, right? That God would call us to experience a foretaste of heaven, that he would call us up into the heavenly places to worship him. We have to respond with singing. So if this is what singing does, if it's intended to engage your heart, engage your emotions, get you full body and soul involved in worship, then how should you sing? Think about that for a second. How should you sing? I think you should sing loud. I think you should sing loud. Um, A pastor that I know and love used to say this. If God has given you a wonderful voice... Praise him with it. If he's given you an awful voice, get him back for it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. It took me a while as a Christian before I was willing to actually sing. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be that out there. And it was was an act of faith, actually, that, that enabled me to enter into singing. I thought, you know what, this is what God wants from me. But it took me time. And so, you know, we can work toward that. But I just want to invite you to enter into our singing, to enter into the songs, enter into the music, and really let your whole heart and soul be expressed when you sing. So God calls us up to heaven, and then we praise him for it. Our second point is that God calls us together. He calls us together. Again, look at the text. Who do we meet with? This is interesting. Who do we we gather together with? says at the end of verse 22, you have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And then look at the last line of verse 23, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So this is interesting. God calls us up into heaven, but he also calls us together with these other groups of people. And if he's calling us up to experience a foretaste of heaven, he's calling us together to the people who are already experiencing heaven. Okay, does that make sense? These are the folks that are already there. So when we get there, we are actually joining up with the folks who are already in heaven. Okay, the angels, these are people who have been worshiping God from, you know, ever since creation. And then you have the people up there who have experienced God's forgiveness and his healing. These are the people that are assembled together and they're having a celebration. They're having a celebration. In worship, we get to join that celebration. That's what we're doing. If you want to get a picture of it, you can read Revelation 5. Once Jesus shows up, see what happens. He shows up in verse like 6 or 7 and then crazy things happen in Revelation chapter 5. That's what we are joining. That's what that that's that's what we gather together with. And so, as we gather, we are joining into a celebration. It's like we're walking into the party and it's already started. It's already going. It's at full you know, it's 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 at full volume. And so, what does that mean for us? Well, when you come, you want to set aside the distractions of your lives and join the celebration. Okay, I know it's so difficult sometimes. Our lives are so frenetic and so busy. It's hard when we walk into church to be ready to worship. And so you want to set aside the distractions and join in the celebration. And can ask yourself, what do you know about God that's worth celebrating? Like, what has he done that would make you want to celebrate? You know, what are the themes in the songs, in the service that you're hearing that make you want to celebrate? Let those things move you so that you join the celebration. This actually is one of the ways that we ascend into heaven. It's by entering into the celebration. You know, that that new perspective of putting on the headphones. Well, what's interesting is that your mood will change based on the kind of music that's going on, right, or the kind of things that you're listening to. If the music is upbeat and celebratory, it puts you in a celebrating mood. So we're entering into heaven. We're entering together with the folks. And so thinking about that, do you know anybody who has died and has gone on to be in heaven? Just think about that. Who do you know that has passed through death and is now in heaven with God? I mean, it's kind of amazing, because in Sunday worship, we join up with them. We are doing what they are doing. And think about what they're like. You know, think about what they must be like now that they're in heaven. right? All the bad stuff is gone. All the good stuff is amplified and magnified. You think about who they are. What's interesting is that as we spend time in heaven through worship... As we gather together with, you know, with them, we become more like what we will be when we get to heaven. Okay, Moses, in the Old Testament, it's funny, he almost got like a, holy, like a holiness tan whenever he'd spend time with God. He'd go into the presence of God, and he'd come out, and his face was glowing because God was glowing. Right? And so Moses would come out, and he was reflecting the glory of God. In a sense, that's what happens for us as we gather in worship. We meet with God and go through this amazing service where we're rehearsing what he's done for us and what he's doing in us. And, and we listen all that and we, become, we join the folks that are up there and it's this foretaste that we get has an impact and we leave here a little brighter, a little more filled with God's glory. Now, so on the one hand, you want to set aside the distractions, or the things that keep you from worshiping. On the other hand, As God calls us together, you want to bring your burdens with you, okay? Setting aside the distractions doesn't mean that if something's going wrong in your life, you have to leave it at the door and act like nothing's wrong, okay? That's not what this means. In fact, God wants you to bring your burdens with you. He wants you to bring your problems, your trials, your difficulties, your anguish, your loneliness, your frustration, everything that you're dealing with. God wants you to bring that into his presence, Why? Because he can help. And so, as you come, even as you get ready to come, you can say, God, I'm coming in, I want to celebrate, but you know what I'm bringing with me. I need your help, I need your grace, I need your healing, I need your wisdom. When you come with that heart and you bring your burdens and you say, God, I'm going to let these things, I'm going to put these things at your feet and I'm going to remember who you are. And that's going to give me reason to celebrate even with these things. What God does in the service is he meets you exactly where you're at. I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, man, that song or that prayer or that, that what you said in the sermon, it was exactly what I needed to hear. It's like, hallelujah, God is ministering. So bring your burdens. Um, At some point, I read, I was reading through different calls to worship, you know, and, and one that I read said this. Here's the call to worship. Don't leave your cares at the door. Don't leave your pain and sorrow. Bring them with you and ask God for his grace, his help, and his perspective. It's a good call, right? It's very, very honest. It's good that God is willing for us to be honest with him. So again, how do we respond to this? If God is calling us together into this celebration, we're going to respond with prayer and singing again. Let me just say this, though. If this is what God is calling us to, you need to be here to hear the call. Okay? If God is initiating a service where he's renewing his covenant with you, you need to hear him start the service. Okay? You need to hear him. This isn't about like being legalistic or, or anything like that. This is just like, if God's going to call, do you want to hear that? If God wants to start his service by inviting you in, up, and together, you need to be here to hear that. And so I'd encourage you to be here on time. Be here to hear the call. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. There are days where... I had a day where I was preaching, I didn't show up, you know, on time. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. Children, distractions, life is busy. But I want to I wanna woo you. <laughs> I want to convince you, like, that, man, I don't want to miss another call to worship. I don't want to miss hearing God call me in this way. And so part of the response is to be here, to hear the call. Um, there's things that you can do about this. Like, you can wake up refreshed. Okay, traditionally, like it's been said, that Sunday morning starts Saturday night. Okay, and then how you, how you handle Saturday night is going to affect your ability to even hear God call you. It'll affect your ability to get to church on time. It affects your ability to hear and to be in a place where you can hear when you get here. And so you can wake up refreshed. For some of you, um, this has been true for me, you can wake up uncluttered. So sometimes it's helpful to set out the stuff for Sunday morning, Saturday night, because if you don't give yourself enough time, I'm talking about real practical stuff here, right? It helps us. It really does. It helps us to make sure that we are all here and ready to hear God's call when he calls. Um, and then I'd invite you all to, to just seek the Lord. you know, Just a simple prayer. Lord, thank you for waking me up and getting me here. Thank you for the blessing of Sunday worship. Help me. Even as I'm getting ready, you can do this while you're brushing your teeth, while you're shaving, while you're doing your hair, your clothes, whatever, while you're driving. God, as we drive, it's like we're ascending up into the mountain. I mean, whatever it takes, just pray. Lord, help me. I'm coming to meet with you, and it's easy to forget that. And so praying to prepare your heart. Now, we're going to do something different starting next week. Okay? Let me let you know a little secret. Um, We say our service starts at 9.30, right? That's what it says in the bulletin. The secret is that ever since I've been here, and I think even long before that, we've started our service at 9.35, okay? I know some of you are really frustrated because you get here on time at 9.30 and wonder why it takes us five minutes to get our act together. We've been doing that intentionally because we recognize it's hard for people to get to church on time, so we're trying to accommodate. God knows the weakness of our frame. He knows that we have trouble, so we do too as a church. Starting next week, here's what we're going to do at 9 30 exactly we're going to we're going to do a song we're going to sing a song before the call that's going to help us prepare to worship okay so starting next week and and forever ever after that at 9 30 we are going to have a song of preparation so we're just going to sing a song together so we're going to have six songs instead of five on a sunday um, just to help us all get ready to get us focused on god and ready to hear his call okay so Please be here at 9.30, because we're going to start by singing. And if you get here between 9.30 and 9.34 or whatever, um, you know, just come in, sit down, enter into the song, pray, whatever you need to do. And then we should be doing the call roughly the same time. Songs usually take about four or five minutes. And so we'll probably still do the call at 9.35. But we want to help you prepare to worship. We want to help you prepare to meet with God. And so we're going to add that, that sixth song, that, that first song there at the beginning. Starting next week, so you've been warned. If you know people who aren't here, let them know. Let them know. Okay, so God calls us up. He calls us together. Our last point is that God calls us near. He calls us near. Again, look at the text. Verse 23, the second line. You have come to God, the judge of all. You've come to God. He is who we're meeting. We are meeting God. Let's say tomorrow morning you get to the office and you either check your email, your voicemail, whatever it is, and there's there's one message, and it's from your boss. Okay, and the message says, "Plan to meet me in my office Friday at 10 a.m." And that's it. How would you feel? What would your Monday through Thursday be like? <laughs> it kind of depends, right? Depends on your relationship with your boss. Depends on <laughs> your conscience, and depends on some of your performance, right? Your your mind be racing like, what does he want to meet me for? What does she want to meet me for? You know, what is this going to be about? <clears throat> God issues you a call to meet with Him every single Sunday. Next Sunday, God is going to call you. He wants to meet with you in a special way next Sunday at 9.30, okay? Um, We are coming to meet with God who is the judge of all. He is the boss of bosses, right? We're meeting with Him. And what's amazing is that He wants to meet with us so that He can talk to us about His relationship with us, so He can rehearse the blessings that He has filled our lives with, so He can equip us and strengthen us to make us important, clean, wise, strong, and with a purpose. Like that's what God wants to do in his meetings with us. And he calls us to this. God, the judge of all, what that's referring to is the one who is going to bring about justice for all. Okay, and so another way to think about that is God is the judge who is going to make everything right. Okay, and so up is a foretaste of heaven. Together is the people who have already begun to experience heaven. And God is the judge who is bringing heaven. Okay, he is the one. And we get to meet with him. And what's amazing is that every time we meet with him, God says, and let me give you a foretaste of what you are going to be like, of what what your life is going to be like, so that you can begin to experience it today. We call it the now and the not yet, or the now and the more to come. Again, God, the judge of all, begins to make things right in our lives more and more and more. Now, in terms of a response from us, you need to realize that God calls you. God is calling you. It's as though your phone rings and you pick it up. And it's God. Okay? God calls you at nine thirty, thirty, every Sunday morning. <laughs> Not to be technical. Um, he's calling you and he wants, he, I mean, here's what's amazing. He calls you to be part of his family. He calls you to be in a relationship with him. He calls you to remember all the ways he's loved you. He calls you to remember the power and the strength that he's given you in Jesus. He's calling to fill you up with himself and then he wants to send you out with a purpose. Right, but he's calling you. How does that affect us Monday through Saturday? Just practically speaking, the rest of your week, what does it mean that God called you? Well, first, you can just say tomorrow, God called me. God called me to meet with him. I got a phone call from the Lord. He called me. you can put emphasis on, All three of those words, right? Practice this in your prayers. God called me. That's amazing. It was God. He called me, right? And then God called. I know God's out there, but he called me. And then God called me? Really? Me. You're important to God. You're a child of his. He is looking upon you with a smile on his face, and he wants the best for your life. He wants you to experience joy, wonder, amazement, gratitude. He wants to fill your life with with good things, with good things. The fact of this calling, that he calls us up into heaven, what this means Monday through Saturday, I'm going to ask you to stretch a little bit mentally on this. This means that we actually can become people that join heaven and earth okay, in the same way that worship joins heaven and earth on the top of a mountain, right, going up into the heavens, well, we become, because we've met with God, we ourselves are these conduits of God's presence on earth. Does that make sense? What do I mean? Well, when you pray pray throughout the week, you're joining back up with the God who's in heaven, right? When you read the Bible, when you study the scriptures, you're joining heaven and earth. Because the God who spoke in heaven, he comes. When you study this word, it's like you're opening up a connection from heaven to fill you. And you join heaven and earth. When you serve someone, when you care about someone else, you are expressing the love of God, the God who's in heaven, who is now, you're bringing his love onto earth. You're bringing his care. When you so much as ask someone else, how are you doing? And you mean it? When you ask somebody, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Is there there something I can pray for you about? How's, How's your walk with God going? Like, do you feel close to Him? Is there something I can do to encourage you? When you do that, you are joining heaven and earth. You are bringing the qualities of heaven to earth. Does that make sense? That's glorious. That's amazing, right? That Monday through Saturday, because God has joined you to heaven, you then can join heaven to earth. think also, um, Monday through Saturday, this means that life starts with God. The same way it does in Sunday worship, it starts with God. Your life, Monday through Saturday, it starts with God. And when you orient your life around His authority, that's when you experience real joy. And so all of life becomes worship. Your family, your work, your recreation, all of it is a way to worship God. So our text says one more thing. There's one more person that we come to when, we, when God calls us to worship. It's the end. It's the last verse. Verse 24. Read it with me. It says, You've come also to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So God calls us to worship. He's calling us to Jesus. Jesus is the one that stands between us and God. Our trip up to heaven, right? Our ascending the mountain to go into the heavenly places on the top of that mountain. See, the mountains actually don't reach up to the heavens, right? We get that. We need a transport. Once we hit the top of that mountain, we need something that will actually transport us into heaven. You know what's on the top of that mountain? It's the cross. The cross. The cross. Jesus, up on the hill of Calvary, that cross is what opened up access for us into heaven. It's Jesus that God himself came down to make a way to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. We can't get there. We can't climb a mountain. We can't do do enough to get there on our own. We need Jesus, God come down. We need his cross to get us to heaven. And so our calling is a call to Jesus. The cross is the way across the gap that exists between heaven and earth. And that's what the author says at the end of verse 24. He says, And of the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel, that's coming from Genesis chapter 4. At the very beginning, the first murder that was ever committed in Scripture, Cain killed his brother Abel. And God comes and says that the blood of Abel is shouting out, Cain, it's shouting out against you. It was calling for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus has a better word for us. The blood of Abel says, vengeance. Punish the one who committed this sin. And the blood of Jesus cries out, forgiveness. Forgiveness. On the cross, even while he was paying the price for our sins. Jesus his own Jesus' his life called out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They just don't understand. And what a good word for us. What a good word for us. If you're not a Christian, this is the word of Jesus that comes to you. This is the good news, the gospel that calls you into a relationship with Him. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I get it. I spent years and years and years of my life apart from God, but not knowing, really, not understanding that I was living apart from him. Jesus' blood calls you back. It's the doorway. The cross is the doorway into heaven. It's the transport that gets us there, that gets us all these blessings. If you're a Christian here, we do the same thing. You know, we have a relationship with God, and yet maybe there's areas of our lives where we ignore God. We don't let him in. We also need to hear Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. We hold on to things because we think our life will be better if we don't let God into this part of our lives. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're doing. That's not the pathway for real blessing. And so the blood of Jesus calls out forgiveness. It's calling you. It knows when and where you're living apart from him and it's saying, come on back. It's calling us back. It's calling us up. It's calling us together because ultimately it calls us near to Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much that you would call us and even when we don't listen that you would continue to offer your grace and your forgiveness, it's just mind-blowing. Jesus, there is nothing else that I would rather do than to serve you. Would you help all of us, help us all, Jesus, to, to, to listen when you call. Help us, Jesus, to let this grace, this, to let your blood call us nearer and nearer and nearer to yourself. Fill us with your love and your forgiving grace. And Jesus, would you touch those who don't know you? Touch those folks who aren't Christians yet and help them to see. Help them to see that you have come near to them and are calling them to commit to you. Help them to confess their sins and trust in your cross. And we will praise you. We will be grateful to you. We will sing to you and we will live for you.